Hi, thanks for tuning in. This is Druggist for the People. This podcast will contain my feelings and opinions and uh, stories from from my practice in pharmacy, but none of this should be taken as just hardcore fact. This is more about stimulating questions that you can then take to your pharmacist and your doctor and your healthcare team uh, to help you better understand and participate in your care. And once again, Just a little reminder, if you're looking for medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, you won't find it here. You need to use your healthcare professional for that. Today, the people is a person who has been the people. It's Carol. I'm a people. Hi. Hi, Carol. (laughs) Have you got a question today about something? I do. I um, was reading online about um, about people having trouble with Ozempic as far as GI difficulties. Right, and there's these are um, serious side effects that are being reported. And since there's been this this uptick in using Ozembic and Wagovi and Victoza and Saxagliptin, those are just two different drugs with different trade names. Mm-hmm. But um, so there's been a, a really increase in the number of people using them, and we're seeing reports of these side effects and how the, they're they're really potentially serious side effects. Um, I had seen. The headline for an, uh, an article with CNN was that researchers are linking uh, the popular weight loss, weight loss drug to serious digestive problems for, and this is, quote, hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. So what they've done is look, you know, got some rough number of the millions that are using these drugs mm-hmm. and then taken this percentage of what the chances might be with serious digestive issues, which really are... Um, Stomach paralysis, which is serious, bowel obstruction, and pancreatitis. These are the things that they're primarily talking about. So that's what's going on. Serious things. It is serious. So your question is, is it really something to be concerned about? Yeah. Is it um, like if you've decided to do that, What when you boil it down, what does that really look like? Right. Um, that, that And that's what we're going to get at. That's the whole point, the central point. But just real quick. We had a previous podcast about Ozempic. You remember that one? I do. It's been a while, but that sort of goes over some of the issues about how it works and how you use it and mm-hmm. what to expect from it and what side effects might be besides these potentially serious ones. So for me, having practiced for 40 years, it, you know, you see new new treatments for diseases come along. You're like, oh, that's a ch- that's a game changer. And that's what these these types of drugs, they're... Glucagon-like peptide one uh, analogs. Mm, sure. <laughs> <Yes>. Sounds delicious. <laughs> That's right. So it's always been something to try and get, you know, the more insulin secreted and increase receptor sensitivity and things like this. But these are these are actually hormone analogs. They look like hormones and get into your body and cause your pancreas to release insulin when it's appropriate and for your liver not to produce it and increase the sensitivity. But also... Here's where we get into the weight loss to slow the motility, the actual movement uh, through the GI tract, which might be how some of the weight loss occurs, but also responsible potentially for the side effects. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, just real quick. So in this realm, when you have these incretins, these hormones, they're in the gut and you're like, you, you eat something and they're like, 
we got we got company down here, and you crank up the the system to take care of this food. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, that sounds like bad guys in Lord of the Rings, in Cratons <laughs> or in <laughs> Incretons. Incretin is how you, how you pronounce it. I think okay. it's not, not Cretans. <laughs> they are good. But just as a aside, there's another group of drug called gliptins. So anything that's produced, a hormone like this, has to be. It can't just exist forever. It's a, it's a very dynamic thing. So these mm-hmm. uh, enzymes that break them down, D, DDP4s, the abbreviation. Anyway, there's a group of drugs that inhibit that so that you're, in, you're endogenous. The, the incretins that you already have, mm-hmm. they just exist a little longer, and that prolongs their effect. So, but okay. you don't use these groups of drugs together. But oh, I just thought, good to the, know. These are, these are significant uh, advances in the treatment of type 2 diabetes so okay um that's i think that's enough for like history yeah um when we see an article like this cnn piece and there are lots of the major uh, media folks have have carried similar stories about the concern about these serious adverse effects sure and they 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 speak in these terms these percentages and stuff and it makes you nervous it's scary it is a little so here's what we're going to do today. We're just going to try and understand what, how, to, how to make that. To assess that risk. Yeah, how to relate to it, how to see it for being real for you. As right. A, as a person who might be taking it now or might be thinking about taking it. So right, right to it here, there's absolute risk mm-hmm. and then there's relative risk. Mm-hmm. And when there's kind of an alarming or um, – attention-getting sort of article, and they talk about percentage increases in these risks, uh-huh. that's relative risk. Okay. Yeah. So we can we can use an example starting off uh, getting struck by lightning. Okay. Not something anyone wants. No. That I know of. No. Uh, so the absolute risk is like, and that absolute means this is the real number. This is, you can, this is one in 15,000. That's okay. somewhere in that range over your lifetime. Right. We've known One, a few people. Right. We, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it is weird. Um, and then then if you – I was thinking if, if we came up with an invention like a, a rubber hair piece, that if you wore this, um, you could reduce your risk by 500%. Now, that would be Ooh. relative risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're like five times less likely – if you do this, get the hair to piece. be struck by lightning. Does well, it come uh, in a blonde right. bob? It does. It's, <laughs> and um, all sorts of styles. And we take custom orders. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever you want, we can do that. <laughs> now, it has a cotton lining, but it does make your head a little hot and sweaty. So be prepared for that. Itchy. <laughs> <laughs> so those but, are your choices. Here's but you the, won't get zapped. <laughs> <we're getting up. laughs> Absolute risk, one in 15,000. Okay. Uh, now, you can diminish that risk. That's not much. Mm-mm. No. You can diminish that by five times if you wear the hairpiece. What are we going to charge for this? Like fourteen ninety nine? Yeah. I think that's yeah. a pretty good deal. If you buy two, it's twenty nine. And if you want to get up and just don't feel like combing your hair, you've got this rubber uh, piece. It's <laughs> okay. So anyway, that's that is that's absolute and relative risk. So you've got the one in fifteen. That's absolute. The relative, they say, is will diminish the chances by 500 400 to five hundred percent. 
then your absolute risk at that point is one in 75,000. Your, your choice now is, are you willing to pay for this hairpiece? Are you willing to, to have a sweaty head? Are you willing to look like <laughs> yeah. Because you've already just got a one in 15,000 risk. And if you're just smart about it, it's probably less than that. Right. And um, Don't golf in a rainstorm. <laughs> that's exactly right. One time I was mowing the lawn and it was starting, it was going to rain. I thought, I'm going to run this mower over the lawn real quick. And like two houses over, lightning struck and it shook the ground. Uh, I was off of that mower in the house pretty quick. <laughs> I remember that. But that wasn't, that wasn't real smart. <laughs> so anyway, you can diminish your chances. You can decrease your absolute risk if you don't do dumb things like that. Yes. Yes. Uh, so when you're in terms of drugs, if you are... If there's things that you can do that don't involve taking a drug in the first place, that is also a reduction in your risk, right? Reduction in the risk of an of a adverse event. Absolutely. Right. Potentially. Potentially. Now, again, here is where we talk about very often this risk-benefit thing, mm-hmm. where you talk about this with your doctor and whoever, your healthcare people, your pharmacist, and if, if this involves your family, to really try and get a handle on what am I getting out of this? Like these drugs that we're talking about, these uh, incretin analogs, mm-hmm. they really are very effective at managing diabetes, can diminish the risk of major cardiovascular events, and they can they can also result in weight loss. Which sounds what? like a wonder drug. Ah, uh, this is this is really great stuff. And so, mm-hmm. where you are, what your condition is, how important is it? If you are just borderline diabetic, if you really don't feel like weight loss is that big a deal for you, this mm-hmm. may not be it. Right. But so many people, this is a really great benefit. So oh, yeah. again, you have to you have to weigh all of those things in. Sure, with your doctor. Exactly right. Uh, so, okay, we've done the history and we've done a little bit about absolute risk and relative risk. Mm-hmm. You feel like you understand those? Yeah. That yeah. relative thing? Because yeah. that's that's what makes the headlines. Yeah. When when the drug company is trying to sell you something, and you and they're couching it as a positive effect, mm-hmm. and it's a relative risk, you you need to look at the absolute risk. Like, what are the absolute risks without the drug and with the drug? And that gives you a clearer picture. Like, wow, yeah. Because if it's really high incidence and you diminish the, the chances by fifty percent, worth it. Then absolutely, that's mm-hmm. it. Okay, so we, we can talk about, let's just talk about Ozempic in particular here. Not okay. picking on it, but just to yeah. have some specific examples. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, again, the, the things that we're talking about, these digestive problems, are the pancreatitis, stomach paralysis, and bowel obstruction. Um, if we start out with the stomach paralysis, fairly serious side effect. And again, it's part of this effect of this uh, incretin, these hormones. Mm-hmm. So we've, we're stimulating them. So mm-hmm. you slow in the motility. What have you done with the stomach? And this is a maybe an exaggerated response to the pharmacologic effect of the drug. Mm-hmm. Did you like that? Yeah, that was shop talk. <laughs> Sexy. That was good. <laughs> um, anyway, for like stomach paralysis, there's, they, and they compare this to another drug, Contrave, that, um, doesn't have this class of um, anti, you know, weight loss and in a di- your diabetes type drug. Mm-hmm. Um, so the baseline with the other drug is 0.3% with the contrave. And 
with the Ozempic, it's like 1%. You have a 1% rate of new cases of stomach paralysis. Okay. Okay, so that's one in 100. But what, like the article will say, there was a three time, you were, that people were three times more likely to have stomach paralysis with the Ozempic. Hmm. So if the stomach paralysis was like 25 in 100 and mm-hmm. it was three times more likely, oh my God. That's a lot. 75 now mm-hmm. out of 100. But in this case, it's 0.3%, not a person. Mm-hmm. You know, one in 300. Right. And so when you increase it three times from 0.3, it's less than 1% still. It's not even one in 100. Okay. So given all these um, positive things Benefits you can get out of it. it. And the the doc and yourself, like, have you had pancreatitis before? Well, this might not be a good thing for you. Makes have you sense. had a, these kinds of GI issues? Have mm-hmm. you had uh, diabetic gastroparesis where the, you've already maybe had this kind of experience? Maybe not a good choice. So, again, you try to avoid them given your history and condition. Sure. That seems but, a little bit common sense. Well, it is. You can look at it that way, but it can also be missed. Mm, I get so you that. just need to participate. All the all the cards need to be on the table about and share your history. Exactly. So there again, does that make sense? Like stomach paralysis, it's three times more likely. That's the headline. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes from 0.3 to less than one percent still. So in the study that you're talking about, how many people were in that study? Uh, it's around five thousand. Okay. And so that's study, a good size group. You know, we've talked about randomized, double blind, placebo controlled studies and this mm-hmm. kind of thing. This is what's called an observational study. So we've not had the opportunity to set up the parameters, but we look and see. I think they got the data from insurance um, claims. That's who they got the people. That seems like a great source. Well, it's, it's a place to start. Yeah. Because there will be more studies. Right. But this is so new, mm-hmm. and the use you know, for weight loss is so so new. Mm-hmm. That that's where it came from. So there's, it's you know, it's just meant to show some of these associations with these drugs, and these are the percentages they're coming up with. Okay. The um, so that's par- stomach paralysis, bowel obstructions, um, like the baseline, point one seven percent. So it would be one in five hundred or whatever that comes to, less than that maybe, um, would get stomach par- uh, bowel obstructions. Excuse me, mm-hmm. and it went to 0.8%, I think, was the instance in people who were taking one of these drugs, the Ozempic-type drug. Mm-hmm. So you can say, given those numbers, 0.8% and 0.17, that a person is four times more likely to suffer a bowel obstruction when they're, when they're taking this med. Now, it's rare. Right. It's just a little less rare to me, just right. sort of... Right. And still, if you're having all these difficulties with type 2 diabetes and you're having trouble losing weight and that would really help with the type 2 diabetes, that seems like a pretty good gamble to right. me. Right. Again, these are serious potential side effects, so mm-hmm. people need to be aware. But knowing that instance, now the bowel obstruction, what, what if it again was like, you know, 10 in 100 and you that's- then you increase the chances that's your baseline. What mm-hmm. if it, and then you increase the chances four times, then it's 40. Right. That's significant. Not worth the risk. Well, if that to, were the to, case. No, but who's to say, even given that? Well, that's whatever true. Whatever person's condition. That's true. But that's what you use. That's your information. That's the fodder. That's what you're that's trying how you to process. Uh huh. Right. I don't want to make these, I'm not here to make or influence decisions, but how to come to this stuff, how to, how to make your own, and how to make, understand what's put out there about the medicine. Yes. So 
Like, if you don't understand it, if you read something in the paper, if you see something on TV and they talk about there is either a diminished risk by a certain percentage or or number or increased benefit, it's probably in relative terms. So you need to find out what does that mean really? How, how, how common is it to begin with? Now, how, how common is it after the intervention? Right. Yeah. Okay. Then, uh, what's the last one? So the pancreatitis, um, so pretty rare without the drugs It's 0.01%. So, um, without these types of drugs that we're talking about, these incretin analogs, mm-hmm. um, and then there was seen like 0.7% chance, still rare. Yeah. But look at that. That's like a nine times uh, risk that you get. You're nine times more likely to have pancreatitis. Mm-hmm. And if someone tells you that and you don't know what the absolute risk is, like how common is this really? Right. You'd be like, I ain't doing this. Right. You know, exactly. it's, it really is alarming. And I think sometimes when it's used, especially in the media, it's it's to get attention. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't write those articles to have them sit on the back page and have no, them no. look at it. So, right. Um, and especially these drugs are a hot new thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. And this is, again, this is this first. The media you know, would go, oh, let's go after that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But you, but this is the thing. Like, I, I'm not blaming media, but we just need to know, you know, know how to read it. And sure. Get, understand. get the real information out of it. Yeah. I so remember anyway. something a hundred years ago about, it was about toothpaste. And they were talking about one in five dentists or, or four of five dentists recommend this particular toothpaste. Well, if, you know, to kind of go towards a media brain, they sent out 10,000 questionnaires to dentists and they got four that said, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. They could say four out of five dentists. Right. If they, I, there's probably no requirement for them to have a, uh, statistically accurate. No. <laughs> it's like, let's take these four here and yeah. add one. Yes. Yeah. But I'm sure there are more parameters around drugs than that. But my my point is, I should <laughs> yes, hope so. They are. But my point is that you know you to understand the statistics, there's probably more there than you know five times more likely. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> Not, I'm just saying for people who t- don't understand some of this, like, wow, that's word salad well, to and me. Well, just be <laughs> a little, like, delving into this yes. at, at face value. That sounds great. Yes. My know? brother that's a statistics professor um, would be shaking his head at me, but okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's very good at it. He is very good at it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, sort of in... Just to conclude this thing, I, I guess I want to, like from the time we start out with this molecular entity, you know, compound, and we're looking, hey, this might do this. Mm-hmm. And you get into where there's preclinical research. You're like, uh, I'm sorry, folks, but animals are used for this. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, and then you start working with people and make sure they're safe and effective. So it goes from a compound to a drug. Mm-hmm. And then when it re- when it graduates... Um, the FDA approves that it's a medication. <laughs> we always have to realize that we don't almost at any point know exactly what this could do. And everybody is different. Mm-hmm. How it affects you, me, and all, anyone out there in the world sure. can be really pre- potentially different in significant Unique. ways. Yes. 
Everybody's different. It's a lovely thing, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so just being aware of this relative risk and then trying to get it into absolute terms, like how common is it to begin with before we start talking about the increased risk. And talk with your doctor and your pharmacist. And like we always say, if you start taking a drug, keep track of how much you're taking when you take it. Anything anything feels weird, write it down and talk with your doctor or pharmacist, right? That is correct. So given these potential serious adverse effects, again, if you've already got a risk for them, you don't probably use these. But now that you know them and when you're doing this this monitoring and participating – um, if you if something's uncomfortable for you in terms of your digestive system, mm-hmm. you report it. Talk to your doctor. Talk to your pharmacist, mm-hmm. um, and watch it more closely. And what you had talked about with like the the phase where a drug gets approved and then we start to monitor it, mm-hmm. we continue monitoring it. And so the FDA's MedWatch program, people can get on there and report adverse effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is how the literature changes, how dosing recommendations, sometimes monitoring parameters changing, and um, drugs have been taken off the market mm-hmm. after they've been FDA approved. So that's it. That's it. Just figuring out what your absolute risk is, given the relative risk. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I feel a little smarter. I hope the absolute risk of listening to this has been minimal. For, <laughs> for you, I appreciate you being here, Carol. Uh, what if people want to order that toupee? The toupee? Well, we'll see if we can. <laughs> we'll see if we come. It's not just a toupee; it's for the ladies as well. Oh yes, hairpiece. Yeah, fourteen ninety five with a cotton liner. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, uh, silly. Yeah, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank you for listening. This has been and will be, druggist for the people. <laughs>